Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Vents. This is Fed Weekly. A collaboration between Vice and Brent 2020, London Borough of Culture. Let's get it cracking. I'm Amelia. And I'm Sabrina. And this is Vent Daily. This week, we're putting out an episode every single day. This is the first of our five part mini series, Vent Daily. Five conversations all about mental health. Every day, Event Weekly host, that's either me, Sabrina, Santos or Nuruddin, is bringing a subject to the table that we want to talk about concerning mental health. And today's episode is my episode and I want to talk about anxiety. invited two Bentonians on today, Michael Papasava, a PhD candidate in neuroscience and a radio producer, Jack Hosen. Could you guys introduce yourselves? Uh, so my name is Michael, as you just said. I'm a PhD candidate in uh, cognitive neuroscience. I'm also a uh, part-time lecturer at Westminster University. In terms of mental health and psychology, I'm just very interested. I run a little uh, popular Instagram page and I'm very happy to be here. Thank you. Yeah, hi, I'm Jack Halson. So I make some radio programs and podcasts for the BBC and some art galleries in terms of Brent. Uh, yeah, I grew up in Kensal Rise, although now I live in Crystal Palace, so far <laughs> afield. And uh, yeah, in terms of today's topic, I'm looking forward to seeing your experiences, sharing some of my own, I guess. Mm. So I'm really interested before we begin to like know why Sabrina chose this topic so why did you choose to speak about anxiety yeah so before university I've never like experienced anxiety in my life but then when I went to university and I actually fainted for the first time after that day I fainted I started to overthink fainting I overthought it so much to the point where I can actually make myself faint now which sounds so crazy and I never really thought that it was anxiety because I just thought maybe this is just like Mm -hmm. something's wrong with my body and I have to go get it checked. And I actually had two MRI scans and one like ECG on my heart and everything actually came back normal and there's literally nothing wrong with me. And then my doctor suggested, oh, like, do you think you have anxiety? Because I didn't know that anxiety could affect your body. And then after thinking about it more, I I realised that this is something that is anxiety related. That's crazy. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I feel like what you said about like anxiety having an effect on your body, like on in the physical as well as the mental is like really true. Like it rings true for a lot of us. I also have anxiety. Like it kind of started in my late teens. So like when I was around like 17, I think. So I kind of like have experienced it throughout uni as well. And I think it definitely does affect you physically. Like for me, it just seeps through into like your day to day, like 
for me, it's like appetite as well. Like if I'm anxious about anything, like I feel like so fatigued and just like have no energy to do anything. I really understand where you're coming from, to be honest. And you think it's crazy, but it's not. Like, I feel like it's so normal. But what about you guys? Like, what's your experiences with anxieties? I think I've been, like, aware of it for... for There wasn't a trigger. It kind of just... For as long as I can remember, I think it's been kind of just a pattern of thinking. So mm. you kind of get stuck in it and you can't break out of it. Yeah. And, yeah, so for me, it's got, like, a bit of a crossover with this thing called OCD, which is like an anxiety disorder, I guess, which is you can't kind of break out of a loop of thinking. I think it's it's kind of something that is like there daily. And in terms of like, it's usually just, I'm kind of usually just hiding it. It's like a computer running in the background sort of thing. And then, but in terms of like physical manifestations, I guess it's like headaches, maybe, you know, migraines yeah. are, are not that fun. And then in terms of like <laughs> tackling it head on, it's definitely yeah. something that is more like that you just choose to kind of manage rather than try and totally erase. Cause I, I haven't actually worked out how you do that. Maybe Michael, Michael is here to, to tell us how to get rid of it. But, but yeah, as far as like, it's not, it's not as simple as that. I'm afraid. Yeah, you know? Unfortunately not. Mm, I think it's kind of comforting, like not in a weird way, but like, obviously you're quite a bit older than like Sabrina and I, but I feel like it's still quite prevalent no matter your age. And I feel like it's kind of important for people to know that, it's okay if you're a bit older and you're still having like um, anxiety or you still have anxious thoughts or maybe you're struggling to manage. Like, I think it's trying to find the ways to like cope with it. What about you, Michael? Like, what's your experience with anxiety? So as I was growing up, my mother actually suffered from an anxiety disorder. She was uh, hard of hearing and she found it quite difficult to kind of go outside at counselling and she was on, on anti-anxieties. So from, from the earliest age, I kind of knew what it was. And I think that might be partly why I went into the degree in psychology. In terms of myself, I mean, I, I think I get anxious at times, but I don't think it's ever been kind of too overwhelming. There, there have been kind of phases in my life where maybe during, you know, at uni, doing the PhD maybe as well, you know, you have that kind of fear of failure and things like that. And that's quite, well, that's quite acute. That's in the moment. So, Michael, could you actually tell us the definition of anxiety and what actually is it? So the best way I think to kind of explain what anxiety is, is to distinguish it from fear. So fear is uh, being afraid of something in the present, something now, a stressor in the environment that's there. Anxiety is being afraid of something in the future, a future problem that can happen. So maybe uh, you have a presentation to give or you're going to be on a podcast or something, and then you start, you know, your heart starts to flutter and you feel nervous. You start to uh, that thinking pattern that Jack was talking about earlier, that's good ruminating. Rumination is when you kind of go around in circles and it kind of you kind of start to obsess about it. And, you know, anxiety is normal. Most people feel anxious at times and it's actually quite adaptive. It's a, it's a good thing. But when it becomes overbearing and it becomes difficult to manage, that's when things become a problem, you know? Yeah, because that, that was my next question, because I feel like people say they're anxious a lot or they're feeling anxiety. But what's the difference between maybe just feeling anxious mm. about something, but actually exactly. having an anxiety disorder? You know, anxiety is an umbrella. It's like it's, like, it's a broad kind of church with like loads of different things. So OCD, as was said, is an anxiety disorder being mute when you can't speak selective mutism that can be an anxiety disorder when it becomes a bit debilitating you know it's 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 not just feeling 
slightly anxious about something, it's when it starts to interfere with your normal life and you lose sleep or you start to self-medicate with alcohol, you know, or be, even before it gets to that stage, that's when you should really be seeking help and reaching out to someone who's a professional, you know, as well as friends and family, of course. Michael, do you feel like there are scientific explanations for anxiety disorders? Yeah, so definitely, 100%. Now, if you think about like evolution, you know, early humans were worried about things like mountain lions and starving to death and getting, you know, I would say serious diseases, but I guess we're also worried about that now. The problem is now is that instead of being worried about things like that, we're worried about work deadlines and, you know, whether or not we're going to buy our own house or things like that. And it's a bit misplaced, the anxiety. Like, for example, one interesting fact is that women are two times more likely to have an anxiety disorder than men. And there's all these interesting theories as to why that could be, if it could be uh, social factors like Mm. women being uh, more at risk of low pay or being single parent mothers, for example. So it's really uh, complex, but there's a, there's, a, there's a lot to say for the role of biology there. Yeah, I would believe that because I experience anxiety, but so does my sister and so does my mum and so does a lot of my other family members, but we all experience it in different ways. Do you feel like um, nature and nurture both have an influence on anxiety then because the way that they we definitely both yeah yeah because the way that it affects mm. us is very different as well and what we're stressed about for for generalized anxiety disorder which is kind of like the most maybe not the most common but a very common form of anxiety i think you're six times more likely to have it if your parent has it for example now that's that doesn't disassociate whether or not it's biology or environment because obviously you're seeing your parent and you're learning from your parents' behaviour, but also you have your parent genetics as well. But it definitely runs in families. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honouring highly requested new colours for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. I started showing symptoms of anxiety when I was around five or six, and that's when my dad said he thought I might have it because it runs in our family. I've never been diagnosed with any kind of anxiety disorder. I've never diagnosed myself with a disorder like that. I think that anxiety kind of means lots of different things to different people, but I have been diagnosed by a doctor. Uh, We're all humans and we do tend to go through ups and downs. I'm sure I've been depressed at some point. I've definitely got friends that have felt like it helped them to kind of get an official diagnosis for something like that. I had been feeling like away for quite a while, but I wasn't as active on social media. When I started to see like blog posts, just like Instagram pages, for example, I really started to kind of attribute characteristics of what anxiety is to myself and then went and kind of like got like a diagnosis and everything like that. But I feel like there's a lot of awareness on social media. When did you guys find out about it? You know, as you grow older, different things change. You have different priorities. And then you realise like this one thing, this one way of thinking is like 
stayed around when you even now like you like different musics you have different friends you know you've got a different job but this one thing is the constant then you kind of start to realize like that is something that's a bit little bit unique to you and maybe needs a bit of investigation and then yeah definitely like I, I feel even now like 10 you know 10 years ago probably there wasn't so many people speaking yeah. about these kind of things so also for example like I've been to some kind of support group things and, oh, really? um, how did you find those uh i don't know just like a bit of googling or maybe i think my mom found one <laughs> and she told me to <laughs> that's go that's so sweet and then, <laughs> and then um uh i went along and actually hearing about it from other people hearing about you know right. this was an ocd support yeah. group hearing about people's different versions of it was actually very it wasn't useful at all because i wow. started to pick up other people's patterns as well oh my god that happens to me this is why i feel like i can't speak to other people because i feel like whatever they're feeling i think oh my god am i going to start feeling that now and i yeah. actually talk myself into feeling that do you feel like support groups like more than one person sorry in the group do you feel as though that's actually like counterproductive in terms of helping you with your like mental health disorder as opposed to like a one-to-one -one session with a therapist yeah I mean like because I haven't been able to like crack it I guess neither of them have been like perfect and both right. have both have been good and bad for different reasons but yeah I think like going to a support group was quite good just to maybe kind of get a sense of like the environment of you know what people were doing to try and cope with it but if I went back there like week after week it was kind of it was almost like there was I wasn't learning anything new. I was just picking up bad habits or something like that. But that's just per, that's just personal. I'm sure they're very helpful for other people too. But Michael, do you have any like insight on that? Yeah, just uh, I think that's called social learning. Is when we kind of mirror the behaviours and patterns of people around us. So for myself, growing up, as I say, with my mother who had anxiety, especially when it came to kind of going out and socialising, I remember being a teen and feeling quite anxious around like large groups, not knowing why, because I was always quite popular and stuff. It was just some, a learnt behaviour mm. that I had. But in terms of group therapy and things like that, one of the good things about doing something like that is some people can feel quite um, ashamed of seeking help. And then when they start to realise that this isn't a problem, they're not the only person in the world that has this problem, yeah. you know, that can be quite um, empowering to know that, you know, it's more common than they thought, you know, there's, mm -hmm. and, and that can reduce the stigma. And that's one of the good things about um, being in a group and seeing people that have the same issue or similar issues to you. Just going back to what Amelia was saying about social media. And like you said, Amelia, you said that a lot of um, posts on anxiety kind of helped you. I want to know um, Michael's insight about people maybe seeing these posts and self-diagnosing themselves with anxiety do you have to like go to the doctors to actually be diagnosed or could you actually do that through like these posts let's say yeah that's a big thing so so I actually run an Instagram page and I've got about 22,000 followers and I, my last post was actually on anxiety so it's quite funny and it's something that I've had to be very careful at when while running the page and constantly reminding people that, you know, the only thing that you should be doing if you think that you have an issue or some kind of, is to go speak to a professional. But it's very important that you don't self-diagnose. No, exactly. Also, it's quite funny because there'll be like a self-fulfilling prophecy. If you're an anxious person and you ruminate, if you get stuck in that cycle of thoughts, and then you're, and you're seeing these different disorders being posted on some guy's Instagram page like mine, you think, I have that. Oh, I have that as well. And before you yes. know it, you have like 13 disorders. But obviously that's not how these things work. 
So it's important if you're somebody who creates this kind of content like myself. Yeah. It's very important that you you deliver the message that this isn't a tool to self-diagnose. Mm-hmm. And I think I'm definitely guilty for doing that, especially like simple things of just when your heart beats fast and Googling, oh, what does this mean? And it immediately says, oh, you might have cancer. Like, yeah. I'm just like, well, like <laughs> yeah. what the hell? Like just little things like that, especially exactly. during times like this. Yeah. So. Also, I- isolation can make things worse as well. No, it definitely can. Oh, 100%. I was really nervous about like being in isolation and like in, a lo- in lockdown as well, because obviously like when you are re- like used to a regular thought pattern and stuff like that, it like being sociable and having a routine like having work to do, like being able to go out and stuff and like take your mind off whatever, like it, it really does help. It's like a way out. So at first it was really a struggle to just be, like just to sit down and like not think negatively. And I feel like, is there any advice that you guys would give to people, like especially with anxiety and like a habit of kind of overthinking how to maintain sanity like in this lockdown? Mine kind of comes on when I have got some downtime. Like when I'm busy, it's usually quite, it's fine. Exactly. And, I've, and I can kind of, you know, it's not, it's not in my awareness. And so, but actually like on the other side of what you've been saying, like being forced to kind of sit down and maybe go a little bit slower, maybe have a bit more time to read or cook or just like sit outside, you know, it's a good, op- maybe a good opportunity to kind of learn a little bit more about yourself. Yeah. Because it's, there's been a new routine. We've been forced to make new routines for ourselves, haven't we? And like, even I've been kind of blocking yeah. in like 15 minutes of meditation a day, which is oh, something that if I was kind of commuting and, and, you know, playing sport and going to the pub, I wouldn't be doing. Oh yeah. And no, I really like that actually. I like that perspective. Like, even though we kind of miss normality and that might have definitely helped improve our mental health I feel like there's a lot of ways you can actually create a new routine and learn about yourself in society to speak about mental health is actually kind of taboo for a lot of people and I just wanted to know like how you guys feel about speaking about it and also how to normalize it a problem shared is a problem halved and I feel when you do have a mental um, health disorder it can be really isolating how do we kind of encourage conversation around mental health so that people feel as though they're not alone in this yeah I mean for me it's not something that I kind of go around talking about all that often mainly because like Mm. you don't want it to necessarily like define you you don't even want to be kind of like bring you know it's that thing of like when you mention something you kind of start thinking about it again if you find like people that you really trust it's definitely an unburdening of yourself to talk about it and maybe get a different perspective about it and it can like definitely bring you closer together with that person too it's a very intimate thing yeah and jack you were saying that your mum actually even offered you those anxiety classes and stuff how did you open up to your mum about yeah yeah well like yeah yeah, also like you don't really want to worry people like that do you so i feel like in a way it's kind of counterproductive because then you know she had a kind of a couple of months of sort of frantically googling everything that was possible to to investigate but um but uh yeah it wasn't it wasn't you know it was only a fairly recent thing i'd say um i think it's quite a a private thing because these terms are you know like anxiety or ocd or whatever these terms are you know some people kind of throw them away quite loosely and say like oh i'm so ocd i had to you know like i'm so tidy people kind of mix those two things up that's not really what the syndrome is necessarily so 
you need someone to really fully understand what it is before you want to explain that you are suffering from that, I suppose. Yeah, I think we can all agree that there is a negative stigma with the word anxiety. So, Michael, how do you think that we can change the language so it's not so stigmatising? I think there's a fine line between labelling things and then labelling people and then reducing stigma. It's a kind of balance, you know. It's it's important to to not make people just their conditions. And then it's also important to, to like get it out there that it's okay to have an illness. Like if somebody was, you know, had high blood pressure or something physical, there's no stigma attached to that or very little. But I mean, growing up in Brent, for example, especially with like, I, I come from a, a Cypriot background and um, mental health isn't something that's very well spoken about. And I'm sure most of us have that experience or know people who whose families perhaps won't be as understanding or just see it as like something they can pray away, you know. Um, Jack, you actually produce a podcast um, that normalises conversation and supports others. So could you tell us a bit about that and about what is best for the mind, body and soul? Uh, sure, yeah. Well, I mean, I wish I was an expert on what is best. But um, yeah, so there's a podcast on, on the BBC. It's on BBC Sounds. It's called All Hail Kale. Great name. And it's kind of looking at fads or trends in wellness bringing a bit of humor to them and also just trying to speak to scientists uh, like Michael and international scientists and find out which of these kind of trends are actually working and which have scientific basis in them. Yeah. Sounds awesome. What's the reception for that been like? Um, has it been mostly positive? Have people found it useful, useless? Uh, to the podcast? Yeah. So, I mean, it's very popular on the BBC. It's in the, always in their sort of top top three or five lists of what people are downloading. But I think that's because people are like super into getting healthy these days you know they're desperate for anything but like I don't know if you've discovered this maybe you will discover it through your podcast the thing about like making radio is you, you kind of just send it out into the world and you never know if it kind of helps people and then maybe like three years later you'll meet someone uh, in a pub and they'll be like oh I've, I've I heard that and it really changed my life and so yeah at the moment I don't know if people have responded to it but you kind of just have to trust that you make something good and then people, yeah, use it in their lives if they can. And maybe these things sink in over time. In the same way that people can be insecure about seeing people who are size zero um, bikini models as they scroll through their or guys of like eight packs or 10 packs and, you know, you see every sin way of their muscles and things like that and you feel a bit bad because you're not like that. You know, there, there can be an unrealistic expectation with positive thinking like it's okay sometimes to feel bad and it's okay sometimes for things to be a bit overwhelming and there's I think there's a, there's a real dark side with being overly positive because then you might be lying to yourself or not allowing yourself to feel the natural emotions where things are a little bit bad sometimes yeah and I think it's all I think um, sorry I just wanted to um crush you because I actually really agree no, with that ahead. as well I feel like a lot of I feel like all emotions are necessary emotions I don't think that being positive 24-7 is real and I think something like to say to anyone listening that like, it's okay to feel like negative sometimes you also put, I think it's necessary to feel all emotions so that you learn more about yourself as well it's normal like, I think don't don't take everything for gospel like on social media because just generally speaking people put their best out there all the time 
People only really post when they look good, when they're having fun. No one's posting videos or pictures of themselves crying. Like, no one's doing that. So obviously, like, (laughs) or if they're just not in a good mood, like, no one's on social media. So don't take everything for what, like, and, and, like, kind of internalise that because if you see all these positive posts and you're in such a, like, a dark place and you feel like you can't get out of where you're at, that might make you feel even worse. So just rest assured that it's natural to feel good and bad sometimes yeah yeah so thank you guys so much for joining Sabrina and I on this episode like and thank you for being so transparent and and honest and open with us as well like it really helped yeah thank you guys and thank you for giving your insights as well yeah thanks for having us thank you it was great Okay, Sabrina, what do you think about this conversation? Yeah, in the beginning, I was a bit nervous to speak about, obviously, the subject matter, anxiety, and obviously we both feel it. So I was anxious about speaking about anxiety. But after having that conversation, they were both very, like you said, transparent, open, and it made me feel really comfortable. And I feel like we were very open as well. Yeah, so I just, I really appreciated the transparency, to be honest. It was really nice to be able to speak speak about something that, is something that I've struggled with for quite a long time mm-hmm. um, and I also do like the whole idea that whilst it's like good to stay positive as much as you can and try and keep productive actually it's okay to feel a bit of shit sometimes and like not want to do anything I think all emotions are very necessary so that's what I mainly took from the conversation and I really enjoyed it Thank you for listening to Vent Daily I've been Sabrina And I've been Amelia. And thanks a lot to Michael and Jack for coming on. You can find Michael on Instagram at learn underscore psychology underscore and listen to Jack's podcast, All Hail Kel, on BBC Sounds. This episode was produced by the Vent production team, Jess Lawson, Amelia Gill, Moeed Majid and Arlie Adlington. Vent is a collaboration between Vice and Brent London Borough of Culture 2020. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade.